I'm Tony Epstein, and this is the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. This is a journey into sound. Brought to you in living color on WGDR. In the beginning, the end. It's a story. That's why I'm here. To tell you stories. So where to start? When you're in the middle of a story, it isn't a story at all. But only a confusion. A dark roaring. A blindness. A wreckage of shattered glass and splintered wood. Like a house in a whirlwind or, or else a boat crushed by the icebergs or swept over the rapids. And all aboard are powerless to stop it. It's only afterwards that it becomes anything like a story at all. When you're telling it to yourself or to someone else. My guest today is... Corinne Grillo. Corinne is a licensed psychotherapist, and she's the author of The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life. Now, angels are a mysterious phenomenon or subjective experience that doesn't make sense or fit into our Western rational idea of the known material world. However, we're becoming more and more aware of the non-material aspects of our world, the vibrational or frequency aspects or levels of information and energy that underlies our current narrative of the world and the way the world works and our understanding of the world as a narrative, including our current scientific understanding of the world as a narrative a story based on our best rational understanding of everything we can see and measure. But what about everything we can't see and measure? What determines what is real and what determines what is more real than another experience? Up until doing this interview, I didn't think about or have much interest in the notion of angels. To me, they seem to be part of a religious-based narrative, which I had no use for. But while doing this interview, I realized that numerous experiences I've had in my life clearly fit within the parameters of what are known as angel experiences. I just hadn't thought of it that way or made 
the connection. Perhaps you've experienced angels or had experiences that fit within the parameters of what some people call angel experiences. I don't think it matters what you call it. It's just finding a commonality of understanding that fluidly crosses the boundaries of language to recognize the essence of the experience rather than getting caught in the abstract or definitions of the symbols and language you or someone else may use to define their experience. So with that said, here's my interview with Corinne Grillo, whose life was radically changed by an experience that was just not possible by today's rational standards. Hi, Corinne. Is it Tanya? It is. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Since we're recording this, feel free to use any language you want. I have no problem with bleeping things. Thank you so much for saying that. It's wonderful. The main thing is I want you to be as authentically you as possible. Okay, that is so great. I'm, I'm excited about that. So, welcome to the Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. Your life prior to encountering and discovering angels was, was almost like the opposite, the flip side of that kind of an experience. I would love for you to talk about what happened to you and, and also what your life was like before that fateful or magical encounter. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like it's absolute irony that what the work that I do today, because it has nothing to do. There's no sign of it anywhere in the first 35 years of my life. I guess we got a rough start in the beginning. My, my father did a couple of tours in Vietnam, and when he came back, he wasn't the same. And he brought the war back with him, and brought essentially the war zone back into our household. And even though he was you know, a good man because of his mental health. And back then, you know, people were getting treated way less for these mental health conditions than they do now. They take better care of the military now than, than we did back then. And he was an interrogator. So if you can imagine someone who was in intelligence doing interrogation and what that would be like living in that house, it was really intense. <laughs> scary. And so we went through a lot. But, you know, throughout those years, there there was something inside of me that, wanted to be optimistic, that was trying to adapt, but I'll tell you, by the age of 18, so much had happened, not just with my dad, but my mom passed away when I was a teenager, and so much had happened that at the age of 18, I remember sitting there and going, okay, okay, I'm done. I'm tired. I'd like to die now. And it was really from the age of 18 and up to 35, where almost every day I would wake up and hope that that day would be my last. And so because I was too much of a wuss to actually take my own life, I started doing a lot of things that maybe could get me killed, you know, if I just did it right. So I did a lot of drugs and, and just engaged in all kinds of crazy things that most people who aren't trying to die aren't going to go do. So, yeah, that, that was kind of my early life. And you know, I struggled with a lot of things. And, and strangely, I 
still ended up getting a college degree. I went to UCLA, got a college degree, but I'd always lived that duplicitous life of pretending to be a good person on the outside, but really suffering deeply on the inside and not knowing how to rectify those two. So that's what early life was like for me. I think so many people are going through their own version of that, that they're, they're doing the best they can to make themselves seem and be normal within the context of our cultural definitions of that. And I suspect that that actually just makes things so much worse. Yeah, it it, it is like a pressure cooker, I feel like. And for me, I was always embarrassed to show people my pain or to discuss my pain. And I feel like so many of us alienate ourselves because we just feel like, oh, nobody else, you know, people are going to think I'm crazy or nobody else is going through this because everybody looks so happy on the outside. And people with real issues, things that are happening and they're totally normal, natural things that happen, feel more and more alienated from themselves from life, from their pain. And I could not take the good in in my life. I had this beautiful daughter, this great husband, and it was almost impossible for me to feel, to be able to receive the gift of my life back then. So what happened that changed all of that? Well, it culminated into a place where, I'll just build a brief picture. I was working for County Mental Health driving into the ghettos of Los Angeles, trying to rescue kids and really support the families of street kids, kids in gangs, or engaging in drugs. And so I was working full-time doing that, and it was really like sometimes I would be on call and called in, you know, for 12-hour shifts, someone's at high risk, maybe um, they're on the verge of committing suicide, they need the therapist there, and so it's very intense. And although the work was rewarding, you know, when I was in high school, I lived in the hood in communities like this. So it was really nice for me to go back and try and help this population. But it really was not good for my own mental health. And also I was away from my family, from my daughter, a lot more than I wanted to be. So at the time, I was probably drinking about a fifth of tequila every two days. I was taking Adderall, which is this upper prescription medication, but I was maybe quadruple dosing myself so that I could get up in the morning. And then the alcohol was so that I could go to sleep at night. So this constant roller coaster of filling myself with these substances just so I could like pop it around and take care of my responsibilities. So emotionally, I was deeply suffering. Even my physical health was suffering. And I remember driving and saying to myself, I think, I mean, at some point, my body is going to collapse. And I remember feeling really happy about that. Like, finally, something's going to stop because I can't stop myself from doing all of this stuff. So anyways, a friend of mine bought me an angel healing. And I didn't know what that was. I thought, like, oh, that sounds interesting. She didn't know that I was suffering as much as I was, but it was pretty bad. And so I went to this angel healing. And I'm telling you, I went, it was like about an hour long. And when I left that session, I felt so radically different. Like I could feel buzzing in my body and I felt hope. And the lady told me, she said, and there's all these cool angel messages that came through. She said, look, your angels want you to talk to them as if they're real. So you start talking to them today and you talk to them every day. And so that's what I did. And so it was through this communication that I could start feeling 
different. I started shifting almost right away. And so, you know, that heaviness, that pressure started dissolving and all of these incredible things started happening. You know, synchronicity started happening and I started seeing angels everywhere and angel wings and I'd turn on the radio and there'd be another song about an angel. So, you know, a lot of people who work with angels will kind of testify that synchronicity start happening. And that led up to a big miracle that happened for me that was just so extraordinary that it proved to me once and for all that I wasn't alone and that, wow, you know, something big had changed. So really it was that three-day window that turned my life in a completely different direction and it's pretty much stayed in that direction since. So that's kind of what it was, is an encounter with the angels. And I, I can't even believe the life that I'm standing in today because of that kind of intervention. So one thing that occurs to me about the way people experience angels and the radical contrast of experience for some people is connected to how radically different the qualities of those two extremes can be. Like, for example, for me, somebody who, well, at this point in my life, like I just started reading this book last week, and I'm up to day five in this, and I'm noticing a few things. I had one really wonderful dream a couple of nights ago, but I'm not experiencing anything earth-shattering during the day Mm -hmm. at all, and Mm -hmm. I suspect that's because there isn't anywhere near as much contrast between my current life and what this work is offering me. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a matter of, and I agree with you, I think that the experience that I had was so stark and the miracle happened was so big because I was so dense at the time. I was not even remotely close to living in peace or in harmony with myself or with nature. And so, yeah, I agree. If you're doing, you're lifting yourself up, you're raising your own vibe, you still can feel support. But sometimes I feel like the big experiences happen to the people that need it most. Mm -hmm. So continue with the miraculous experience that you had. Okay, yeah. So I had spent about three days talking to angels. All of these amazing synchronicities were happening. I felt this huge lightness expanding from my heart and my mind. And again, everything just felt strangely hopeful, which was not the attitude I was rocking for most of my life. And so, so, yeah, I was driving down to a client's house in Pacoima, which is an area in Los Angeles. And as I was driving down the street, down this residential area, a bird dropped from the sky and landed right in front of my car. And it's almost like I felt, I felt the ear of the moment, like, God, that was weird, right? It's just like this thing dropping from the sky. So I hit the brakes and I started driving around it and I saw it was a bird about pigeon size that had a... Uh, trying to kind of scoot itself around on one good wing, but I could tell its other wing was mangled and broken. And I didn't know what to do, right? Because I'm not a bird expert, and I'm sitting in the hood. I'm not going to get out of the car. And so what I did was I did what I'd been doing for the last three days. I asked the angels to come and help the bird. And as I did, I drove around, and I felt this presence, you know, this love. And I had all this compassion for this bird. I could really kind of feel, feel the pain of what's going on there with him. So as I drove around, I looked in the rearview mirror and I kept praying for this bird. And as I did, I saw the body of the bird kind of do a little shimmying on the ground. So I stopped the car and I kept watching. And as I did, a tiny bird jumped up from the body of the bird and 
flew away. So I saw this bird fly away from it. And then I saw another bird do exactly the same thing, a tiny little bird, a little bigger than a hummingbird. So I jumped up, flew away, and then a third bird that was even a little smaller than the other two, a little darker, a little wobblier, jumped up from the body of that bird and then also flew away. And what was left on the ground was nothing. So, of course, I get out of the dang car because I don't really care. I'm about to, you know, maybe I'm going to get shot. I don't care because I just thought that weird. So I go outside and there was nothing left on the ground. And the the thing is, is that it was the presence that I could feel. It's like an electrical field around me, almost like my hair wanted to stand on its end. I could feel that I was in the presence of something extremely, I don't know what the word is, like beautiful, powerful, potent. And so... And I realized that to be beyond, okay, so I wasn't, I wasn't tripping on acid. I was sober for once, and uh, I was in the middle of the hood. It's not the likely place for this kind of thing to happen. So it was that moment where I, I really realized, well, okay, if that just happened for that birdie, okay, it just transformed into three, then what else is possible? Like anything is freaking possible after you see shit like that. So I didn't tell anybody about that in the beginning because I, as a psychotherapist, you know that, People will hospitalize you for shit like that. But I could feel a profound opening inside of myself. And I could start hearing a voice that was inside of me that was really starting to guide me towards different things in a different life. So as you're telling that story, I was thinking about people who are listening to the show who haven't had an experience like that, whose knee-jerk response is going to be skepticism that this is not real this is some imaginary illusion or or just a, maybe even just a story that you're telling to sell a book or something how do you address that well i think skepticism is the most rational approach when you hear a story like that i am most assuredly not trying to proselytize about I'm simply telling my story. So I think healthy skepticism is essential because there's a lot of information out there and, and a lot of people preying on the naivete of people. But it's simply my story. And here's the thing is that what started happening, okay, I already told you, I had, I had angel shame, I'm telling you. I was afraid to tell this story because I know what it sounds like. But it wasn't just the event that proved to me that angels was real and it was more than a hallucination. It was how my life radically transformed after that moment. And also, now it's how other people's lives are radically transforming through the work that we're doing with angels. And so it's just this constant, for me, it's a constant field of evidence that once you engage something like angels, incredible things can happen for people. But yeah, no one was there. No one was there to witness it. But I'm telling you, like, it wasn't just a one-time event. It was my heart that transformed. Like, everything transformed along with that bird. And I'm sitting in a life now where I look forward to my life every day. And, you know, there's so much more love. I can actually feel the love in my life. And, again, we have thousands of people all over the world who have done this work with me. Actually, this book that has come out was based on this 21-day invocation, a 21-day program that I first launched to an international community about five years ago. 
And incredible, beautiful things started happening for them. Maybe they would feel more peace or they'd feel this connection or maybe they'd start hearing that positive, beautiful voice inside of them too for the first time. Uh, Sometimes straight up miracles do happen for them. But to me, the biggest miracles are the small, subtle, beautiful shifts that happen inside of our hearts and minds. So yeah, I know it sounds crazy, which is what's so fun about it. Yes, as you're talking about that, it just occurred to me an experience that I had when I was 18 years old, an experience that happened after an LSD trip I did with my girlfriend at the time, who I just kind of rescued from a situation where she was, she'd already tried to kill herself once and felt completely hopeless and that Uh there was no way she could escape this deep, dark hopelessness in her life. And I just stayed present with her for a number of weeks so that she could get it together to get out of this situation that she was in. She was also addicted to heroin at the time, and she had to go cold turkey. And it was really hard for her to even have the hope or strength to do that. But she did. She took a few weeks to do that. And The day after I picked her up in the middle of Times Square at the time, um, we did LSD together. I don't know what, everything just became available for that and a number of magical things happened during that trip. But afterwards, afterwards was when the real miracle happened. For a week after the trip, as we were walking around the city and going in and out of places, we would walk into like a bookstore or a restaurant and we would close the door behind us. And then as soon as we started walking in, the door would open up, swing open, and then close. And there would be nobody there. And this happened over and over again for several days. And the two of us would look at each other And initially, she was really scared that these people that she had gotten away from would come and and take her back or maybe even kill her. Mm -hmm. And these experiences totally dissolved all of that for her. Wow. And it also, obviously, was so far out of the realm of ordinary reality that it just confirmed that there are things that are possible, that are just beyond rational explanation or or the laws of our, you know, consensus reality. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is such an awesome story. I love hearing these stories. I mean, it's so amazing. But, yeah, wow, that's incredible. That's really incredible. So even with that, I've never really thought about angels in my life. You know, I've, yeah. heard, I've heard stories, but I've never had any experiences that I thought were angels. I've often felt in my life that I have been guided, I mean, really guided, and also really protected in certain situations, like being in a car accident, and as soon as the car stopped, it's tumbling and everything, experiencing like a visceral experience of a bubble around me Mm -hmm. bursting, and then 
realizing that I'm like completely unscathed. But again, never connecting that with angels. So you talk about how angels are real. And I suspect that people experience angels in very different ways based on perhaps on their their conditioning or or the stories or religious things that they've grown up with in their life. How does that work? How do people experience what they call angels or what somebody else might consider an angel experience? How do angels manifest in people's lives? Yes, okay. Here's what I want to say a little bit about angels is that they transcend any religion. Judaism doesn't own them. Christianity doesn't own them. Most cultures around the world, whether they're indigenous cultures or dominant religions, do acknowledge that there are some form of benevolent beings that are here to support and assist humans in one way or another. So I'd like to take an extraordinarily non-religious approach to this because, again, I didn't encounter the angels because I was needing to believe in something. They literally smacked me upside the head, okay? And it was really at a time when I needed it most. So first I just want to kind of scrub down all of our religious concepts of what angels are and aren't. A lot of people experience angels in different ways, but it's essential that if you're curious about them, that you keep a slightly open mind. It's good to have some level of skepticism, but not so much that you think, oh, this is absolute complete bullshit. And that's why I named the book The Angel Experiment. It's an experiment. You try it. And you tell me if angels are real at the end of it kind of thing. So one of the ways that angels make contact first is just by you opening up to them and saying, hey, I'd like to know if you're real or not. And you stay in conversation with them. And so they can show up like an excessive amount of synchronicities can start happening. And a lot of it is just attuning your awareness to what is around you and being really present in the moment because sometimes when you ask a question to an angel they'll bring it to you right instantaneously and you have to really be there it could be like a bird flying over something that's your yes but it's learning how to open up your perception beyond what is rational and engaging in that there's a possibility that there is a communication going on right here right now it's just whether or not you can adjust your awareness to it so i spend a lot of time in my programs and in my book kind of helping people cross that threshold into going from just linear rational thinking into more open, creative, and into the more intuitive realm. So to go deeper into that question, what is the essential nature of these so-called benevolent beings? Mm, What a wonderful question. So I can only speak on what I've learned And I like to leave it up to every individual to discover on their own what the truth is for themselves. From my perspective, these beings are here and they perform a variety of different, well, I see it as like they're holding different frequencies that are really good for certain things. So if they're here to help, they're here to help in different ways. Some people see them as simply messengers. So they're messengers to here to take our intentions, our wishes, our dreams, our hopes and desires and help them manifest for us, take them up to source, God, creator, whatever the heck you call that. We all have different concepts of what that is. But yes, the essential nature feels like an abundance of love and peace. And so they do a lot of their work through bringing more love and peace into the hearts, minds, and lives of men and women. 
But because they're energetic beings, I feel like this is why they can manipulate our energy bodies so well. And I feel like this is why people who are really suffering can have very quick healing when they start working with angel frequencies. So like I said before, I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I was resistant to bring angel work into my practice because that's not what you're supposed to do, right? But when I did, I just couldn't not because... I'm talking to someone, they're suicidal, I could feel angels coming in for them, and eventually I was just like, look, all right, there's angels here, can I, do you want to try some weird stuff, you know, let's try some energy work with the angels, and they're like, dude, I'll try anything, I don't care, so when we would do that, sometimes it would literally be within minutes, maybe within 20 minutes, they would feel a significant decrease in their suffering, and this happened over and over again, so they're energetic beings of love, and the frequencies that they are rocking can help humans not just mentally heal, but physically heal and heal their hearts as well. Again, I'm trying to flesh this out or deconstruct all of this in a way that everybody can understand this in some way. Mm -hmm. And it seems like these beings, and the word being may be just a necessary conceptualization of something that can't really be accurately conceived of and that okay you just said yes that's a good confirmation right there (laughs) that they're like a manifestation or perhaps even a portal to or for the experience of this incredible unconditional love and peace or whatever it is that someone might be needing in a particular moment or really deeply wanting in their life? Yes, yes. And the reason why I say yes to just, you know, okay, we're going to try and call it a being, but we don't really know. Again, I try not to get too far down into the definitions, making definitions for people and letting them conceptualize it on their own. All we know is that when you call on this particular force is that it can create incredible healing in your life. And again, I've been doing this work now for several years. Now, internationally, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are doing this work. A lot of them never had access to angels or believed in angels in that kind of way. And yeah, you can see them as portals, doorways. You can see them as messengers, as beings. You can see them as angels or just helpers. It doesn't matter. They don't care what we call them. All they care about is like, oh, you need some help. Here I am. So their mission, it sounds like, is to unconditionally assist us. That's what it appears to be so far. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. And, you know, all over the Bible, that's what they say there, too. It's just because modern religion has done a great disservice to actual spirituality. And what I mean by that is kind of scrubbed down a lot of the mystical approaches, which is you gaining direct access to knowledge, to wisdom, to gnosis. And depending on someone else to do it for you, right? And so what I love about angel work is that it is, in a sense, bringing the church inside of you to life again, where you can develop a deep, palpable, real connection with the divine, with spirit. And I'm not leaving it just to angels. Some people believe in guides and allies and power animals and all of that stuff. To me, allies are allies, and I don't kick any of them out of bed. But I feel like one of my biggest passions is helping people to reestablish that divine connection because it's our birthright. 
and we are hardwired for this. And I feel like until we all gain this inner knowing or this inner peace or this love that we can have from within, not someone telling us what to do, but we actually can hear the beautiful voice of love and peace, I feel like that's where our planet begins to really make a big shift. Okay, that's such a important distinction to make, and, and that reminds me of how in the Eastern traditions where they have like a spiritual teacher, which is often called a guru, who's like this very special person, and what those people often say is that it's not me. The real guru is inside of each one of you. So don't get fooled into thinking that I'm it, because it's not about me. It's the real guru is inside of you and part of you. Yes. Yes, that's it. That's it. And, and for me, like, I, I am not a sucker, and I'm not naive. And there's only one way where I would have made a connection uh, with spirit, and that was not through a book. It's through real life and, and practice and taking kind of a scientific approach towards, okay, well, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And so, yeah, I, I just feel like it's so beautiful, and I've had the great blessing to witness people build these real connections and seeing and witnessing their lives change because they took their own responsibility for the love the divine love in their life and they're they're living it another thing you say is that angels don't judge us for any of the things that we've done or any of the things that we continue to do yes so it's sort of like a balance or an antidote to that christian notion of sin mm -hmm. which i think is another terrible disservice to this whole thing? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm super passionate about this. So, yes, I increasingly growing more and more vocal against the fear-based, what I'm going to call it propaganda, that we have been spoon-fed since we were children about what God thinks and what spirit thinks and whether or not we're good enough for love or for salvation or whatever bullshit they're trying to tell you, okay? So this is me really coming out of the closet here, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to be diplomatic. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. So, okay. So all this hate, all this judgment that we have propagated on the planet absolutely does a disservice to the PR of the actual divine spirit, of the actual body and beings and being of love, whatever that is. I don't, it doesn't matter what we call it. So I didn't know this, okay? So I totally thought I was not good enough. You know, I have drugs and da-da-da-da-da, a little bit of jail because of the drugs. So I came into this work as probably one of the most foul creatures I could imagine at the time. And as my spiritual gifts started activating, meaning as I started actually communicating with what I believe to be angels, spirit, and when I started working on other people on behalf of spirit, right? So if the clients come in, I remember working with a prostitute. She was in full hatred of herself. She had shut down from spirit and from the divine because she grew up Christian. And she knew that she was against God and she was full of sin. And so her body was breaking down because she had rejected love because she didn't feel responsible for it. And I'm telling you, when I sat with this woman, 
Germany Angels came into the room, I started crying, okay? And I started trying to communicate to the love. The love that they had for this woman here was so intense that it was like, I'm crying, she's crying, and all of this darkness started lifting off of her. Even her vision was cloudy because she was so full of darkness. So she starts, so we're both crying, and I'm just like, girl, you unloved, girl. You know, we're having our little revival. Spirit come to life in the room. And I was like, holy shit, this is f***ing great right now. And she was like, this is amazing. I could feel the presence. I was like, I can feel it too. But anyway, so much love, non-judgment, okay? And I've seen this over and over again. I have even worked on, I know this is going to sound intense, but I have even worked on someone who felt horrible about molesting a child when they were younger. And so I worked with spirits. I mean, this is the thing. There's no judgment on the other side for us, okay? Jesus doesn't walk up to you and, and smack you around and tell you you're not good enough for heaven. No, that's people telling us that shit. And so until we get that there's been this judgment-based, keep people under control, propaganda shit, until we realize that and come out of it and embrace the truth, which is love. It really is. And it's real and it's palpable. Then, again, our planet's going to be so far off. We're going to keep on hating each other, keep on judging each other for having the opposite politics and having the opposite. And that's not how it's working on the other side. We have the infinite capacity to love deeply, to love ourselves deeply, to love each other deeply, to really embrace all of these cool little quirks in each other. And there you have it. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. And it sounds like our guardian angels, which I would love for you to talk about, you know, distinct from like the archangels and other other manifestations, other types of angels, that they are actually here to help remind us of who we really most deeply are and that everything we most deeply want and need already completely exists within us and that we just need to be reminded and have all the obstacles, all the layers and layers and layers of obstacles that we've accumulated through our our lives and all the traumas and, and misinformation and misunderstandings that we've had in our lives that have accumulated, you know, layer upon layer upon layer upon almost, you know, endless layers of all this crap that underneath it all, everything is already inside of us and that their job is, is just to remind us of that and also to help us clear all of that stuff out of the way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the perfect description of that three days of transformation once I encountered the angels all that was really happening, they weren't doing anything new to me. All they were doing was scrubbing down the trauma and the bullshit and all of the dark energy that I was rocking at the time, which was piles and piles of dark energy. And because they don't have to put anything into us, we're already beings of love. We just kind of like forgot because everyone is around us is asking out. Our parents asked out around us. You know, our culture neglects us in many ways. And so, yeah, they just help dial you back into who you are on an essence level, which is love and peace. I know it's really hard for some people to really comprehend that because, you know, they're caught up in the shit swirl in their life. But if you're detoxed appropriately, you start feeling better. Even if your life is a shit swirl, you still can feel quite okay about it, which was like mind-blowing for me at the time. And so 
yeah, some of the angels are amazing at detoxing, like Archangel Michael in particular. If there's any listeners out there that are really feeling low, either anxious or hyper-depressed, Archangel Michael is the first angel that I call in because he's warrior dude. He really is amazing at cleaning out dark energy, heavy energy. And so what I would just real quick to what I would do is just sit and ask Archangel Michael to come into your space, into your heart, your mind, your body, and start lifting out any low, low shit that you're carrying around. That's not you. And so many people just with that little, little practice feel hugely different within minutes. I would love to talk about more of the archangels, but I also want to talk about what people sometimes call our guardian angel, supposedly an angel that stays with us throughout our lives. Is that really any different than any of the other angels? Yeah. So there's a lot of theories about guardian angels. Some people say you have at least one. Some people say you have at least two. So often when I'm working with people, they do feel more personalized to the person. So archangels are there for everybody. And you can call an archangel and they will come. And I see them as like super bright, giant forces, almost like the vibrations or frequencies that you can use to kind of alchemize whatever situation that you're in. Personal angels, I find, come in two forms sometimes. One is usually like a nurturer. So if you, there's always one that's like kind of swaddling you, loving you, and can really bring you great comfort. And then there's also... I run into a lot of protectors, someone who's just super badass, super warrior looking and can just help you build resilience and give you courage and, and protect you and things like that. So most of us have both. And sometimes this was new to me, but you can actually feel the presence of them. So when I was driving to that first angel healing that I got, I felt my hand tingling the whole time. And I didn't know what that was. It was just like the top of my hand. And the lady in the room, she's like, was your hand tingling? And I said, yes, it was tingling. And it was my guardian angel holding my hand. So you right now have an angel that's touching you, giving you comfort, giving you love, and giving you validation. So sometimes our guardian angels also give us validation when you, you know that feeling when you hear the truth and you go, ooh, like something inside of you opens up or maybe you get a chill or something like that. That is sometimes our guardian angels giving us like validation feeling so that we go, oh, that was a yes to me. Mm-hmm. I have another experience that happens periodically, and that is sometimes I'll wake up early in the morning, like around 3.30 or 4, and I have this like extraordinary clarity, and it seems different than my normal state of being and of mind. And mm. it's as if information is getting channeled Yes, yes, interesting, interesting. So then what they're showing me for you with that, so we all have different spiritual gifts, but I feel like for you, your primary, one of your primaries would be claircognizance, which is one of the ways that angels talk to us is through our thoughts and through our clear thinking. So claircognizance is, the translation is like clear thinking. And so in that morning time, I love that you're, already doing that, you know, that you're noticing, okay, there's this clarity coming in. That's your clear cognizance kicking in. You just got dropped down some wisdom and some truth from spirit and you're noting it. So that is awesome. So we all have different gifts. Some people are more clear sentient where they're going to like feel spirit with them. Some people are clear cognizant. So magic happens in its own way. 
and in its own time, and there are mysteries involved in all of this, and it sounds like the less we try to control things and just allow things to be as they are, the better. Yeah, that's so true. And there are also some things you can do to open yourself up even more to the field, to that field of peace, love, joy, magic. And so I would just say sticking with a daily practice and just inviting in spirit. So many of us, you know, have you ever heard of Vipassana meditation? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I've done all of that stuff, right? I did like, oh, all this Vipassana. And so here's the thing. Like, I know about the transformational art and, you know, meditating. And, and that's why it's, like, so weird that I'm talking about angels, right? Because it's like, well, usually, you know, it's like non-being. It's like one essence. And I just feel like it's important to acknowledge sometimes, at least to try to acknowledge something like angels because they can expedite our manifestations very quickly and bring such deep peace. So just because we're doing great meditation doesn't mean we can't also say, and by the way, angels, can you help me with some stuff? Thanks. So it's like angels are like this incredibly wonderful and powerful tool that we can learn to use in a very effective and skillful way once we recognize the power that they have. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, the way that I work with angels, we do invocations. We don't necessarily pray to angels. And when I talk about invocations, it's like we're activating these divine forces to come to life within us and engaging these beings. But yeah, I had no freaking clue. I thought angels were like, you know, playing harps and singing heavenly choirs and all of this stuff. I thought that that's what angels were. And really, they are so much more freaking practical than that. I mean, it's like the most awesome practical magic, and it's literally having a team of helpers, supporters, and protectors right there with you. So I'm so passionate because people don't realize how real and practical they are. They still think they're these, oh, these beings of heaven, and, you know, that's just not how I experience them. They're just down on the ground with us making amazing shit happen. And we don't have to make some big spiritual thing out of them as well. I mean, you talk about how we can talk to them about anything, about even the most petty concerns in our lives. Yes, absolutely. I seriously see them as, it's like we're all on this team. We're on a team. So anything goes. You can, you can say and speak whatever you need. I know for me, you know, if I'm having a really low period or whatever, it's important to just speak to someone about that. So I ask the angels, help help me with this because I don't know what to do. This feels bigger than me. Can you help me out? And yeah, there's, you know, some people have shame. They don't feel like they're worthy of even communicating with the divine because they feel like not good enough. And we've talked about that earlier. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. Everybody has equal access to this awesomeness. And so we need to get the word out because now is the time more than anything. We need as many allies as possible. So why not? It's like, why not? You got nothing to lose and only to gain. And it sounds like it requires a certain degree of humility to be able to ask for help and to reach out in that sort of a way. Yeah, I think humility is a good word. I think people people will often reach out to some invisible force if they're absolutely desperate, right? Mm -hmm. But why wait till we're absolutely desperate? And, 
yeah, having a certain level of humility, acknowledging when things aren't going right, but not feeling like you're burdening spirit. Some people feel like they're somehow burdening spirit. And that's some old conditioning, and each of us has a right to be supported and loved deeply, no matter what we're doing in our life. And if we have grown up with this sense of unworthiness, then it's really easy for that ego aspect of ourselves to feel like an island, that we're alone and that we have to do everything for ourselves on our own. You know, that, that old ridiculous notion of the rugged individualist who's an island unto themselves. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I'm guilty as charged. I still have to catch myself when I'm doing it because, man, it was so ingrained in us, right, to, like, do all the heavy lifting, to work so hard. Got to work. Got to struggle to get what you want. But, you know, we actually don't. Things move so much more fluidly, and I just feel like it's so important for us to learn how to ask for help when we actually need help, not just to spirit, but to people in our lives, to others, and get. we need support. We need support. Yes, as you were saying that, I was realizing that angels are really another part of our community to draw support from, to know that we can lean on and to actually allow ourselves to lean on. Because, you know, as naked apes, human beings as naked apes, our defense, our ability to survive in this world depends on our ability to come into community with each other and to collaborate and work together and support each other and make our lives better together. Yes. How beautiful. And angels can be part of that. In fact, why not? I mean, anything, <laughs> anything, can, anything we can imagine, anything we can conjure up, anything we can invoke can help us in that process. And, and there's a wonderful line in the book that really stood out, and that is that Anything is possible, and even the sky isn't the limit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every day is beyond the sky for me now. The fact that I'm alive is already beyond the sky. And that I get to do this work, that there's this book coming out. All of it is beyond. You know, a lot of us, we talk about you know, the law of attraction, what's manifesting, we're going to manifest some things. And what I found is that when you're working with spirit, working with angels to manifest a better life, their concept of your life is something you can't even conceive of. The things that you start attracting are so much cooler than anything you could have written down and created on your freaking dream board. And so, yeah, it's like, take it all the way, take it beyond the sky. And yeah, the angels just are so, so supportive of that. And I feel like it's because it kind of help us get us to our essence, our truth. And we start pumping all this peace and love juice. And then, of course, good things can happen. I mean, you still have shit happen, but somehow you're just more resilient to it. And also, it sounds like, from what you were just saying, how they know more about what we really want and what's most essential inside of us. And for me, what I've been really working with over the past at least a dozen years is digging underneath what I think it is that I want and underneath that and keep yeah. digging deeper to what it is that I I most deeply want and why I want the things that I think I want. What is it that I will yeah. get from 
achieving what I think I want or getting what I think I want? What is the deepest result of that? Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah, so many of us are kind of coming at our manifestations from just like our first layer. Our first layer is like, oh, I want to make $20,000 extra. <laughs> yeah, I want to get married. I want to have 2.5 kids and a house in the suburbs with 2.5 cars in, in the garage. Yeah. That's a superficial layer of the dream. And what is it that, that underlies all of that? Yeah, right, exactly. What are you really working to create on an essence level, on a soul level? And I feel like working with spirit sometimes it's just, to me, it's just really been all about following the path that's going to bring the most joy. But also, I found that when I started listening to the guidance, and like you were saying, like spirit, your deeper urges are often going to be really different from what you think on the surface. So even, you know, teaching internationally and doing this stuff, all of this is so beyond the realm of anything I could have conceived of for myself. But step by step, I through my intuition and through working with spirit, was kind of led down this path. And it's nothing that I would have asked for, because first of all, it's way too terrorizing for me at the time back then. Had they shown me what I'd be doing today, I would have ran for the freaking hills because I wasn't ready mentally or emotionally because I still consider myself shy and, and introverted and all of those things. And so like step by step they would in a sense inspire me to do out of the box things for myself. First of all, even coming out of the spiritual closet as an angel person was huge for me. It's nothing that I would have done before. Step by step they'll inspire you to say yes and then through those yeses, you begin manifesting a life that's more purposeful, more beautiful, more loving. But I still feel like, and you, I'm sure you'll agree, it takes a lot of courage to follow those deeper urges because it can be sometimes terrorizing as well. Yes. As you're saying that, I was just imagining how terrified I would be if I were in your shoes to actually come out in public to talk about angels in this way. I would be terrified of all the ridicule that I know that so many people would, would be like chomping at the bit to just attack me with. Yeah, <laughs> it's, really, it's really something. <laughs> so you must get yeah. some of that. I do. I get, I get some hate mail, mostly because I cuss. So the born-again Christians are like, you shouldn't be cussing. And then the ultra-new-agers are like, you shouldn't be cussing. You're creating when you're cussing. And it's like, you know, everyone leave me alone because guess what? The angels haven't said a damn thing about my cussing, okay? <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. So, you know. But, yeah, you know, you get a lot of flack, but here's the thing. Here's what I didn't plan on. You know, I knew that I was going to probably be ridiculed and mocked in my profession as a psychotherapist. So when they found out I was doing angel work, a lot of people were like, what are you doing? Why are you? Oh, my God. You know, I'll judge you about it. Just like I was judging myself. But again, I'm hearing the call, so I'm going to follow it because I know when I listen to angels, good things happen. So I started stepping out of the box, coming out of the spiritual closet. And I'm telling you right now, when I busted out of the closet maybe about six years ago, those people who used to ridicule me are now asking me more. Like, what did you do? Because they see how my business has exploded internationally. They see how happy I am. And so 
you don't plan on that. You're going to get ridiculed, yes, but just keep following your path. Another thing I didn't plan on was that for every one or two hate mails I get, I get maybe a thousand mails of love and support and thanks and gratitude. So that always outweighs, like the good always outweighs these little these little moments where people are, are triggered by your work. And I do believe that if you're not triggering someone in your life, you're not playing big enough. You're not telling the truth enough. And if you're too cautious, you'll miss out on all the good stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I mean, I could have still been just pretending that I'm, like, just doing psychotherapy. And how many people would have been not served by that? Thousands of people would have not been served by that, right? So for me, you have to think about this possibility and stay in the possibility in the unknown. And yes, you might have to be terrorized here and there along the way, but the gift on the other side is so much bigger than anything you can conceive of. Like, the love and support that I get from the people whose lives I get to touch we get to touch and the angels get to touch around the world far surpasses the ridicule and now it's like you know I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm super resilient to it it's like okay yeah that's annoying but it's really nothing compared to the awesomeness that's happening and that makes me wonder you know what it is that i may be holding myself back from that i could be doing Ooh, interesting yeah oh, yeah there's always something there's always a little something, you, and you get these little nudges, these little flashes of something that I think a lot of us back down because it seems uh, maybe we're not qualified enough or too big or it's impractical or we don't have time for that. And those little dragons are really what prevent most of us from really stepping into this, this cosmic, awesome playground where we get to touch even more lives and, and create a bigger change on the planet. So it sounds like using angels, communicating with angels, is a really simple, an extremely simple and yet incredibly powerful way to work with our lives. Yes. It's been life-saving for me and for so many people that have been turned on to the real and practical methods of working with angels for just about anything. So, yeah, I just say, like, don't kick anything out of bed that wants to help you say yes to it and then, you know, see how things go. So maybe looking at and approaching angels like like a new best friend who we can talk to and tell everything about. And for many people yeah. nowadays, we don't have a person like that in our lives. Many people are now using Facebook to try and communicate with as many people at once and perhaps sacrificing a deeper, more intimate kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. And perhaps we can look at angels as a way of bringing greater depth and connection into our own personal lives, like having the perfect best friend who listens to everything and accepts us unconditionally and has the deepest, most unconditional love for us, no matter what. You're right, and they have a lot of ingenuity on how to help. <laughs> the things that can happen, even the way this book got published was 100% angel activity all over the place. So they just, you know, really can help you with magical solutions, and the more that you work with them, it's just mind-blowing, and my mind is getting blown still, today, after all of these years. 
I love that. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed this so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. Yeah, this has been really fun and engaging. My guest has been Corinne Grillo. She's a licensed psychotherapist, healer, teacher, and workshop leader. And she's the author of this wonderful new book, The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life. And she's also the founder of the Angel Alchemy Academy. Again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. At the time of this interview last week, I was on day five of the Angel Experiment adventure. Today I'm at day 14, and so far this has been a really wonderful and deliciously healing adventure.
talking about hate. You know, I think the only way we're going to do away with hate is to get so much love going around till it just won't be any more hate. There's so much hate going on today on the right and on the left. You see, we hate our brothers, yes we do, and we hate our own self. next little verse and if you feel like it sing along and if you don't want to sing along maybe you can clap your hands the good book says to love your enemy but we don't comprehend tell me how can you love your enemy when you hate your fellow man And life 
life was like a comet falling from the sky. I woke so frightened in the dawning oh so clear. How precious is the time we have here. Are we not wise enough to give all we are? Surely we're bright enough to outshine the stars. But humankind gets so lost in finding its way. Till our dying day
about it for this magical mystery tour thank you so much for listening and until next time have a wonderful week mm-hmm.